State of Mankind. How much do you know? Excerpts from How the Specter of Communism is Ruling Our World. 123. Globalization manifests politically as increased cooperation among countries, the emergence of international organizations, the formulation of political agendas and international treaties, the restriction of national sovereignty, and a gradual transfer of power from sovereign states to international organizations. After the emergence of such international institutions, as well as the rules and regulations that transcend national borders, such institutions began infringing upon the political, cultural, and social lives of individual countries. Power begins to concentrate in an international institution akin to a global government, eroding national sovereignty, weakening traditional beliefs and moral foundations of distinct societies, undermining traditional culture, and subverting conventional international conduct. All this is part of the gradual advancement of the communist program. During this process, communism promotes and uses international organizations to bolster the strength of communist factors, promoting the communist party's philosophy of struggle, promoting twisted definitions of human rights and freedom, promoting socialist ideas on a global scale, redistributing wealth, and attempting to build a global government that takes humanity down the path of totalitarianism. The United Nations has expanded communist political power. The United Nations, established after the end of World War II, is the largest international organization in the world and was originally designed to strengthen cooperation and coordination among countries. As a supranational entity, the United Nations conforms to communism's goal of eliminating the state, and has been used to increase communist power. From the very beginning, the UN became a tool of the Soviet-led communist camp and has acted as a stage for the Communist Party to promote itself and the communist ideology of a world government. When the United Nations was founded and the UN Charter was drafted, the then Soviet Union was one of the sponsoring countries and permanent members of the Security Council, playing a decisive role. Alger Hiss, drafter of the Charter and Secretary General of the United Nations Charter Conference, as well as the State Department official and important advisor to Roosevelt, was convicted of perjury in connection with the charge of being a Soviet spy. The hidden backdoors present in the United Nations Charter and conventions are beneficial to communist regimes and likely have a great deal to do with this. The heads of many important UN agencies are communists or fellow travelers. Many UN secretaries general are socialists and Marxists. For example, the first, Trig Vilay, was a Norwegian socialist and received strong support from the Soviet Union. His most important task was to bring the Chinese Communist Party into the United Nations. His successor, Daghamar Hold, was a socialist and a sympathizer for a global communist revolution, and often fawned over high-ranking CCP official Zhou Enlai. The third secretary-general, Yu Thant, of Myanmar, formerly Burma, was a Marxist who believed that Lenin's ideals were consistent with the UN Charter. The sixth secretary-general, Boutros Boutros Ghali, was formerly the vice president of the Socialist International. It is therefore not difficult to understand why the heads of communist regimes regularly receive the highest courtesy of the United Nations. Many UN conventions have also become tools to directly or indirectly promote communist ideas and expand communist power. The highest mission of the United Nations is to maintain world peace and security. The United Nations peacekeeping forces are under the responsibility of the Undersecretary General for Political and Security Affairs. Yet of the 14 individuals who took up this position from 1946 to 1992, 13 were Soviet citizens. 
The Soviet communist regime never gave up attempting to expand communist power, and had no interest in contributing to world peace. Therefore, although it used safeguarding world peace as its slogan, it focused on advancing the interests of communism. Propping up a pro-socialist organization fit its aims. At the time, communists had infiltrated the United States. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover stated in 1963 that communist diplomats assigned to the UN represent the backbone of Russian intelligence operations in this country. Even after the collapse of the former Soviet communist regime, the communist legacy remained widespread in the United Nations. Westerners who worked at the UN found themselves surrounded by what many have called a communist mafia. The CCP uses the United Nations as a propaganda platform. Each of the five permanent members of the Security Council has a United Nations Undersecretary General. Although the UN Undersecretary General can no longer represent the interests of any individual country, the Secretary General, representing the CCP's social and economic interests, effectively endorses the ideology of the CCP. Top UN officials, including the Secretary General, have promoted the CCP's One Belt One Road initiative as a way to tackle poverty in the developing world. The CCP's One Belt One Road strategy has been considered by many countries to be an expansionary hegemony, and has left many countries in deep debt crises. For example, Sri Lanka had to lease an important port to the CCP for 99 years to pay off its debt, and Pakistan had to ask the International Monetary Fund for help because of debt problems. Because of the control One Belt One Road has, over the politics and economics of participating countries, and its conflicts with human rights and democracy, many countries are stepping on the brakes. However, due to the CCP's political influence, senior UN officials have touted the One Belt One Road project. From Chapter 17, Globalization, Communism at its Core